For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery is made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has been now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though in the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to see the mystery of the gospel that Paul proclaimed, that we could be like the psalmist, that we could look at the world that you've made, the majesty of your creation and be overwhelmed with our place within your creation and that we could be like the children that Jesus commends, that we could have a childlikeness in our faith and simply run to you and encounter you. And I pray, Lord, as we open your word, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning again. My name is Chris Myers. I'm one of the priests here at St. Bart's. We're glad that you're with us and we're in the middle of a series on our vision and values in moving to Sunday morning worship and moving to Redeemer Bible Church, we thought it'd be a good time just to step back and and reflect on the things that God has given us uh, to navigate by. Vision and values are means by which a group of people navigate um, how they move into what God has for them in the future. Vision is something we see in front of us, we move towards it, and a value is a way that we orient ourselves, what is meaningful to us as a community. And you can see um, in your bulletin that we have these printed out on page 15, and you're welcome to look at that. And our vision statement is simply this. We exist to connect the people of East Dallas with God and his people so that we might behold God and become more like him. The tagline version of that that's printed on the front of the bulletin is behold and become. And that is at the heart, um, not just of who we are, but really at the heart of what it means to be human, that what we pay attention to, what we give ourselves to, what we put in front of our eyes and focus on, shapes who we become. That's spiritual physics. You move in the direction of what you value, what you look at is what you become. So we wanna behold God so that we can become more like him. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 3, that we with unveiled face behold the glory of God, and in beholding the glory of God, we, are come, we become more and more like the glory of God by one degree of glory to the next. That is what it means to behold and become. And I mention this because this value that we're talking about today, mystery, is probably the weirdest one on the list if you were just gonna read through the list. The other ones maybe, oh yeah, okay. But what is mystery? What is it? Why do we value it? And how do we value it? So that's what I hope to talk about this morning. 
What is mystery? Why we value it? And how we value mystery? And the way that we put it in the statement is this. Through the redeeming love of the Son and the life-giving power of the Spirit, the Father calls us deeper into the divine life. So let me just pause there. I hope you notice that that's Trinitarian. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I hope you notice that it's Christ given to us in redeeming love for the world. That's the mystery of the incarnation situated within the mystery of the Trinity. Those are the two central realities of the Christian life, and yet we can never get to the bottom of them. Those are mysteries, and yet they are the very thing that constitute us as a people. The Trinitarian reality of God and the incarnate Lord moving into our midst, the word become flesh and dwelling among us. We participate in this holy mystery through worship and community, through word and sacrament, and through the grace-charged gift of creation itself. I want you to notice the verb there, participate. That's our response to mystery. And I want you to notice the structure of all our values is that they begin with God, and then we respond to some dimension of who God is. This is the structure, I think, of reality that God initiates, that he spoke a word into creation, and then he gives us that creation to steward. We saw that in Psalm 8. What is man that you're mindful of him? What is humanity that you care about us, and yet you have given us dominion? We have a special place within this creation to lift creation back up to God in worship. We participate in that gift by worshiping him. So it begins with God, and then we respond. That is the fundamental value, I think, of any church, and it is the fundamental value of what we hope to be, is that God is working, God is on the move, and we want to respond to him. He acts, we respond. It's built into the very uh, rhythm of liturgy. We hear the word of God, and then we respond to the word of God in praise. Our worship is set up in that way. So that's the value itself of mystery. So I kind of want to come at this in maybe what's a strange way, but hopefully it'll all add up in the end. And you can let me know if it does or doesn't. So in my line of work, I'm asked many questions, a lot of why questions. Why is this happening to me? (laughs) A lot of what questions, what is going on? What does God want? How do I move forward in faith? But here's a question I've never been asked ever. And I wish somebody would ask me. So I'm just going to ask myself and then answer it for you. <clears throat> Who is your favorite minor prophet? <laughs> it's probably never occurred to you to ask anybody that question, let alone me. My favorite minor prophet is Habakkuk. I love Habakkuk. And the reason that I love Habakkuk is that Habakkuk had questions. It's not like any of the other prophets the way that it's structured. It's a dialogue back and forth between God and Habakkuk. And Habakkuk sees what's going on in his world. And he sees the people of God are faithless, and yet they're still the people of God. And God is about to allow the Chaldeans to come and wreak some havoc in Judah. And Habakkuk's question is, why in the world would you let this happen? And there's a back and forth between him and God. So we had these questions, but in the middle of the book, we have this hinge verse. Habakkuk 2.20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Yahweh is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. The I am 
is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Habakkuk is brought short in many ways. He gets a kind of answer, but not what he was expecting. More than an answer, he is given something even greater. He is given an encounter. He is given a vision of the living God. And so he concludes his book, Habakkuk chapter three, which is a beautiful poem. It's a beautiful song. And Habakkuk's conclusion at the end of the book is something like this. I will love God as love as God is. I will receive God as God is, not what I imagine him to be, not what I think I might prefer, but who he is, the I am, the Lord in his holy temple before whom we keep silence. I want you to think of moments in your life when you've been brought to silence. What are the kinds of experiences where we don't have any words left? The beauty of creation, perhaps, perhaps your wedding day, perhaps the birth of your child, but draw to mind a moment for you where you've been brought to silence. Silence is a response to mystery. Those holy moments when we are at a loss for words, we are sort of standing at the edge of the meaning of life and we don't know what to say. And that's exactly where we're supposed to be. <laughs> Let us keep silence. When we keep silence, we are saying in our silence that we have encountered something that is beyond us. That we have encountered something that speaks to the essence of life and we are brought short. We keep silence. So Habakkuk keeps silence and that is one response to the mystery of God, is silence. But Habakkuk has another response, and that's singing. He sings, singing in silence. This is something C.S. Lewis says in uh, the Screwtape Letters, that in hell there is neither singing nor silence. Interesting. That there are, there's something holy about singing and there's something holy about silence. And part of Habakkuk's song is this vision of God as a warrior moving on behalf of his people. I'd encourage you to go back and read it, Habakkuk <clears throat> chapter three. At the very end of the book, it says, to the choir master with string instruments, this was set to music. I really wonder what this song sounded like. That's one of the things I'd, I'd like to experience in eternity is all the songs of the Bible. What did the Psalms actually sound like? How did, what are these instruments? How do they play them? How are they sung? But this is the end of Habakkuk's song at the end of chapter three. Habakkuk says, though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, though the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. Habakkuk says, in effect, it is not my circumstances that determine my reality. Things are going bad around me. Everything that I had put stock in is being shaken, and yet I've encountered the living Lord, and in that encounter, 
and in being brought to silence, now my heart is filled with song and I'm saying I'm going to love God as God is and that he is the one who strengthens me, that he is the one who makes my feet like the deer's so that I can run up the mountain. So why do we value mystery? I say that we value mystery because we seek to value God as God is, as the great I am, as the one who comes to us, who shows himself to us, reveals himself to us, but we are dependent upon him to reveal what he is like. That's what Paul is getting at in Ephesians 3. There, God was up to something, but there was a mystery to it. Until Christ came, we didn't understand that mystery, that God's intention was to draw all people to himself. The mystery of the gospel of salvation for Jew and Gentile alike, for the whole world. To value mystery is to value God as God is. God is not an object in the universe. God is not open to our inspection like a mountain or a molecule. He is the fount of everything. He is the fount of all that is good, true, and beautiful. And because he is goodness, truth, and beauty in and of himself, to value him is to worship him. So yes, we want to know God, but we want to know God as an act of love, not as an act of distancing ourselves from him or dissecting him or the way that we would come to look at a molecule under a microscope. We want to encounter God. In a book on the mystery of God by Bear and Hall, they say this, to approach God is to approach an unfathomable depth of reality and truth that like the sun in the sky is too intense, too bright to look at, but that nevertheless brings meaning and coherence and beauty to everything else. God is a mystery. We don't look directly at the sun, but we see everything else by light of the sun. God is that which gives meaning and coherence and beauty to everything else. That's why we value mystery, is because we want to value God as God is the I am. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence. So that might be all well and good, but how do you value this? How do you value the ineffable? Theologian Trevor Hart says this, the mystery is never fathomed, but rather indwelt. A fathom, and I've said this before, I'm gonna say it again because I like it so much. The word fathom literally refers to the span of someone's arms. So it's a literal link that's tied to the human body. So to say something is unfathomable is you cannot get to the bottom of it. You cannot get to its depth. Like the ocean, God is like the ocean in the sense that we cannot get to the depth of God, but we can still swim in the ocean. A mystery is never fathomed, but it is rather indwelt. So that takes us back to the key verb in our value. We participate. We are invited to participate in the mystery of God through worship, community, word, sacrament, through creation itself. We are invited to just dive in. And here, Jesus' words in our gospel passage today are so important. We are invited to a childlike encounter where we simply enjoy God as God is rather than trying to study him from the outside. We dive into who he is. 
So think about a child at a swimming pool. Nobody has to tell a child how to enjoy a swimming pool. They're perfectly capable of doing that on their own. <laughs> They're gonna invent games. They're gonna come up with all sorts of ways to jump in, to indwell the swimming pool, and to enjoy it. And I think part of what God is saying to us is, why don't you just dive in? I'm inviting you to participate in my very life. I'm putting my spirit within you so that you can be united to me through the work of my son so that you can enjoy what I've given you in creation and through my word. He's inviting us to participate. That's how we value mysteries, through participation. And more practically, I would say that for us, as a three streams Anglican church, the three streams are a means by which we value mystery. The three streams, if you've never heard this, are scripture, sacrament, and spirit. These things working together, forming us as a community. Scripture speaks to our little e evangelical reality, meaning that the God that we worship has given us not just an account of who he is. This is not just a record of who he is. This is a place in which he has promised to encounter us. This is a living and active word. He promises to be with his people through his word. This is a place of encounter. This is a place where we are invited to indwell the mystery of God. So it doesn't just record something. It speaks to us now, a living and active word. Sacrament, our little, our little C Catholic reality. <laughs> that sacraments are means of grace, which means that they are places where God has promised to meet us. They are a place of encounter. That he entrusts himself to us through water and baptism through bread and wine at the Lord's table. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is made known to us in the breaking of the bread. So the sacraments are another place where we're invited to encounter God, to indwell the mystery, to participate in what he's given us. And then finally, the spirit the little C charismatic stream. God's promise is that he will inhabit us, that he has given us his spirit as a guarantee of the inheritance, but not just that, that the spirit is given to us, pouring into our hearts, bearing witness in us that we are children of God, that God is in us by the power of his spirit to inhabit us, to empower us, to encourage us, to remind us that we really are the children of God and that he is inviting us that Paul talks about in Romans 8 into the freedom of the children of God. That's an invitation to enjoy him. And not only does the spirit bear witness within us that we are children of God, the Holy Spirit bears witness through us, through his gifts, through his fruit, the Spirit clothes us with power as a witness to the world and to each other of the love of God. And that it's through the mystery of the body of Christ. And let me just say this, that 
of the, the mysteries right now that I've listed, Trinity, incarnation, and then the church, that might be the hardest one to wrap your head around right now because of where we are in our moment in history. And we see in many ways the church being shaken in America. But there's this verse in Ephesians that I just think is absolutely astonishing. And I just say to God, really? Ephesians 3.10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The mystery of the body of Christ, the spirit-filled people of God throughout time and space are meant to bear witness to the cosmos of the manifold wisdom of God. I heard a theologian say this on a podcast recently that the hardest part of the creed for her to say right now is I believe in the church. Maybe that's where you're at. I can go incarnation, virgin birth all day long, but when we get to the I believe in the church, that's the hard one. And if that's you, I, I get it. I get that. The church has failed in many ways, um, has not borne witness, has not been a spirit empowered people, has had its own agenda. But if we'll let God work these things in us, I think that it'll become easier and easier to say, I believe in the church. I believe in the body of Christ. I believe that this community as a local expression of this reality can be a place where people not just hear about God, not just learn about God, but encounter God, encounter the living God, the I am who brings us to silence and who moves our hearts to sing. So mystery is encounter. Mystery is silence before the ineffable God. Mystery is singing to that God. Mystery is responding to God as God is. And what this means is that we do not master him, we are mastered by him. What this means is that we do not apprehend him, but that we are apprehended by him. And what this means is that before we ever behold God, we are beheld by God. He is beholding us now, and he is holding us up by the word of his power. He's creating even now, moving in our midst through the power of his spirit. So why value mystery? We value mystery because we wanna value God as God is. How? Silence singing, three streams, places of living encounter where he promises to meet us through his word, through his sacraments, and by and with his spirit. Let us pray. Lord, I confess the irony that speaking of mystery is a very hard thing to do because to say that you are ineffable just doesn't even get us that close. So God, we need you. We need you to be in our midst. We need to encounter you. We need your spirit to bear witness in us that we are your children. And we need your spirit to bear witness through us that your love is real and that you are absolute reality and that you truly, Lord, are what we long for. So help us, we pray, in the precious name of your son. Amen.